With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Entry Index Talking Tactics Podcast. I'm your host, Leroy Ma, and today we kickstart the 2018-2019 Premier League season where Liverpool pulled off a 4-0 win against West Ham United. Joining me today is Tabish or Tabs, coming back as part of a regular set of guests for the podcast. It's great to have you back, Tabs. I mean, I, I cannot be more delighted to have you back and, and talking to you again. I'm sure you're delighted to talk about a brand new season as well. Yeah, Leroy. I mean, my man, I'm so excited to be back on Talking Tactics. You know, I think, like we were saying just before the pod, life can be a whirlwind with like work, family, friends. It can be hard, but it's glad that we can now find some reprieve in football. And I think for this podcast, like, it'll be nice to always analyze our style, why we win or lose, how we play. And, and you're right. I think to have Josh three and, and now Hamza, who, in my in my opinion, writes some of the most thoughtful art- articles on Anfield Index, to, to be able to break this all down throughout the season will um, hopefully give listeners a bit of food for thought as well. Mm-hmm. And then we'll sprinkle in some special guests here and there to give different <laughs> views on different clubs and things like that. So I think it's going to be a great season for sure. But I think what's more important now is that, you know, with the new squad, with, you know, three or four new players and especially some departures, especially from... I, I guess getting used to having someone like Emery Chan or, or Phil Coutinho in the side whenever we start mm. the new season. Not having players like that anymore, I think this is where it's, it's a good time for us to actually look at the tactics, you know, have a refreshed look at, at how things are going to work. And I think we have, a, a I guess, a pretty good view of, of how things might be moving forward. And this is even without someone like Fabinho being in the side and without Shakiri actually starting in the side. So I think let's begin with the lineup since we're already talking about it, you know. And I think all in all honesty, it looks more familiar than it is different on paper. It looks like a standard four-three-three on paper, but I'm sure you know as we delve more in, in, into the, the 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 play styles later on, it operates so differently than one would think. You know, I think due to the post World Cup fatigue and with preseason, I don't think we actually saw our best team yet. And I think, for the most part, that's good news rather than bad news. You know, it, it's good to see you know players mm. like Joe Gomez coming back. You know, Alexander Arnold starting his first uh, you know, I, I guess starting his first game in the side, and you know, seeing the new boys, Alisson and Nabi Keita coming coming into the side. I think that's brilliant for us. And again, just to just to reiterate, we're not even looking at Fabinho coming into the side or, or Shakiri, you know, starting starting games for us. So it's brilliant that we won that we won four nil without them. And I think, you know, overall. I, I think it's just been a. I think that's a pretty good lineup for us, and I think, you know, moving forward we can be very, very excited. But overall, what do you think about the the initial lineup for Liverpool? Yeah, you're right, Leroy. I think with that sort of injury cloud over our centre backs, Gomez seemed like an automatic starter, even though 
I think at centre back, his profile and his performance level is not quite clear to us yet. I mean, we always knew Gomez was, you know, he's athletic, he's comfortable as a ball carrier, mm-hmm. um, and in passing into the opposition half to link up with midfield players as a right back. Yep. But would he be as effective as, say, a Matip who preliminarily took that role? Um, under Klopp's team last season, whereas Van Dyke was more of the, um, the 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 defender who would sort of stay back and, and uh, control the defensive line uh, and and sweep up. Uh, and I think picking Trent Alexander Arnold over Klein uh, probably must have been a, a tactical and technical combination of reasons. Even though, like you said, starting him was probably not the best injury prevention strategy with the World Cup and preseason. Mm. But I agree. I was really excited to see. Allison, especially, I think, you know, he's our new number one goalkeeper. And, and although we'd scouted him quite significantly earlier as a, as a potential Mignolet replacement, even before Karras had that, you know, the, ex, the a pretty excellent half season, but also those high profile errors and yep. troubles in preseason. I think some of the one of the key metrics of his that really jumps out at me was from last season. Uh, he overperformed by 38% when you account for post-shot information on on-target expected goals conceded. Wow. And that's up there with like Oblak and David De Gea. And I think if you can't sign David De Gea or Oblak, he's probably the next best player we could sign for our style of play from that shot quality saving point of view and also from a dis- distribution point of view. But the biggest one for me is how um, I was reading around on um, Twitter just as he was signing and, and sharing some of these key stats was his danger zone save percentage was 64.9%, which was higher than Oblak's, despite the fact, and I think this is the big part, he had less players between the ball and his goal on average. Mm. And I guess across two to three seasons, to base that sort of performance level is pretty undeniable. Um, there's not much to say, I think, for Allison in this game, but um, I think Tom highlighted some really good points on the AI Pro Rate Don't Hate pod, which I agree with, uh, but he was probably the most interesting, and as we were saying also before, the podcast looking at our midfield it was kind of a puzzle to see how it would line up and how it would function yeah and i think at least for me the main one to look out for was definitely nabikita you know considering that bar james Milner's crosses there wasn't going to be much drive or I say, <laughs> much forward drive and you know it's even more so when genie is playing the six rather than more like a number eight in in, in previous mm. seasons but Nabi Keita was, you know, really, really good in, uh, you know, I, like I said, driving the team forward, you know, whenever we needed to to break out from some initial presses that we saw from uh, from West Ham, we actually looked to Nabi Keita to sort of be in very good positions to receive the ball and then drive up with the ball and immediately starting to find people like Mane or, or Salah to make those passes too. But yeah, you know, especially looking at Ellison as well, one thing that I'd like to highlight that's not really that much of tactics, but more of like a, a mentality sort of point of view. If he makes one mistake, just one small to medium level sort of mistake, that's sort of like his confidence being shot. You know, everyone's going to start labeling him the next carriers, the next minimally. But overall, I think he played really well for, for, for what I know. I mean, I mean, all things considered, the only real mistake that I can really remember is that one time where he scuffed that, that sort of clearance a little bit and he went straight to a West Ham player. But apart from that, I think he had two or three brilliant passes as well. So to see that, that, that bit of confidence from him and, and to see him not struggling in the first game, it's definitely going to help him moving forward, right? So that's great to see. And overall, I think that Van Dyke joe Gomez partnership 
again, I had some initial reservations, especially when we saw Joe Gomez or, or, or Nathaniel Klein, whenever they play right back, we always seem to have that problem. But to see Joe Gomez in the middle, I think apart from one, uh, you can say, a scary moment, especially, I, I think at that time, it was Anatovic who had the ball and he, and he shot the ball wide. Apart mm. from that one moment, I think Joe Gomez was generally really good. And, and to see Van Dyke sort of steadying the ship and, and commanding the side, that's great to see as well, right? Especially that that famous video going on Twitter about <laughs> him telling telling people to stop the cross. I think that was brilliant as well. And one thing that I noticed initially as well is that, you know, to to see how seamlessly it is. I I mentioned this on Twitter as well. To see how seamless that defensive to to midfield transition was, that is great to see. I mean, you see Van Dijk stepping up with the ball, and and you know that's something that we are familiar with. We see Genie Wijnaldum falling back a little bit to to be that third passing option or to. You know, try try to add some you can say complexity in terms of how West Ham are gonna press us if they want to press us high. We see Joe Gomez stepping up with the ball once as well. So it's great to see that, that seamless transition and, and also seeing someone like Milner or, or, or Mane sometimes dropping back to, to collect the ball and giving us that number in midfield. I think that's great to see. But you know, I I think <laughs> uh, Liverpool uh, aside, you know, we, we know the front three, we know how they're gonna perform, right? But mm. from this West Ham side, I mean it's a it's a semi new look West Ham side crazy number of signings made and I think four or five of them actually made into the side yesterday especially with Felipe Anderson starting and having Yamolenko on the bench was there any real worry from your end in that regard? Uh, it's it's kind of hard to say because last season West Ham were a terrible team and I think it's just constant poor transfer slash squad building issues uh, last season they had a shot rate share, which was second worst after Swansea, and fourth, and had the fourth worst expected goal difference. Meaning, they were a very non-threatening opposition with a leaky defense that gave away quality chances, and that's a tough baseline to improve from. But switching Arnautovic as or to the central striker role is, I thought, really, a really smart move from the wing position because it means he doesn't have to try to create and instead can capitalize on balls behind defensive lines in front of goal. Mm. Um, I guess the key notable signings for me are. Felipe Anderson, uh, Issa Diop especially, um, and I think Jack Wilshere on his day. I think those, that trio, that kind of new spine along with Arnautovic, I think they will, however, need to be at their very best and influential every game for them to finish in, say, the top half, which some fans are sort of hoping for. Um, because I think after Kiate left and Lenzini Torres ACL, yep. they have a pretty porous, uh, non-technical, limited midfield core. And I think Yamalenko at the stage of his career and very sort of predictable style of play, we'll have to essentially get used to creating out of nothing given their best wing offensively is he- so heavily skewed to the left. So when I saw this lineup, I initially thought, okay, so that Masuaku, Wilshire, Felipe, and Arnautovic sort of core down the left-hand side was going to be the most dangerous area. And I think it was quite obvious the way they tried to overload and target Milner, then Trent and Alexander-Arnold, and Gomez – Gomez being new in that sort of right-sided centre-back position, it, I guess you could say for this particular game, it was probably one of our weaker areas and probably a, a smart idea given, you know, Salah may have stayed pushed up on high uh, to be able to exploit any transition moments. And and uh, we did see some sort of uh, difficult issues uh, down that side, but um, I agree. I think the way that we were able to set up our midfield was, you know, perfect. I think Wijnaldum as that number six is... is is not entirely new. I think we've seen him occupy that role. Uh, sometimes he's played, I think one game, it might have been against Brighton, where he played that kind of Kevin Vogt-style centre-back. And, you know, all these Dutch players, when they get that total football education, it's really not that surprising. But 
this is kind of what the third uh, after three seasons of Klopp, I feel it's pretty safe to say, uh, like you were saying, Wijnaldum will pretty much only play two roles. I think that number six, as we saw in the game against West Ham, and that uh, that number eight role, that sort of swinging relayer type role, where he he really just focuses on ball retention in left midfield. Uh, he absorbs pressure. He intellects the midfield into the attack with Firmino and supports the attack secondarily more than anything. Um, and you're right, looking at Kate and Milner together in that sort of four diamond shape with Firmino, uh, like you and Sri were saying <laughs> on WhatsApp, it was basically overloads on overloads. And um, Kate for me, is the most exciting player to watch because he is very much that elite, uber-dynamic two-way number eight and Milner we weren't sure how he was going to play and turns out he was going to play that sort of box-to-box number eight role Mm. so to have that combination of three kind of role specialists although albeit you know for for Wijnaldum a little bit unsure about how it would play up um, I think the the combination worked quite well and uh, I really enjoyed seeing Cato's that uh, playing like that elusive dribbler through congestion, being that quick time pass remover, um, and also seeing how interesting it was given Klopp's comments in preseason about um, how Cater's pressing and defensive awareness in transition moments needed to improve. Um, him being more that secondary group presser, whereas when he was at RB Leipzig, he was kind of uh, one of the more uh, liberal press initiators, and then it was his fellow midfielders who sort of compensate. Uh, not really compensated, but benefited from his initial press. Uh, I think this time he's going to have to get re- used to doing the opposite more than anything, uh, especially because Mane will probably lead that counter press on his side. Yep. Um, but to see him make those incisive vertical passes in the final third and really drive with the ball was excellent. Um, and Milner, I think um, with this role, I mean, you always have to consider and remember. I think I think it's sometimes hard to remember players like Milner and Henderson what it is their strong attributes are. And for Milner, one of them is his crossing, yep. uh, and to be that sort of auxiliary support player in attack, cross from wide, uh, and then when out of possession, he's mostly seems like he was mostly there to cover for Salah defensively, attract those West Ham left sided centre mids and attacking mids, um, and really, if you looked at the passing maps, just play a lot of one two passes with Alexander Arnold, and in possession. Uh, try and play those really high-risk, high-reward passes out wide over the back line for Salah to chase. Uh, so I thought that uh, it would have been interesting to see, um, when I saw that lineup come up, how uh, West Ham's danger core on the left versus how you know uh, Wijnaldum, Milner, Gomez, Trent Alexander would perform as well in their roles. Uh, that was probably the thing that I was kind of seeing how it would pit up against each other. But f- like you said, for the front three, uh, sort of, same as usual, Mane, that sort of winger, come false tan, Firmino the false nine, Salah that inside forward, uh, is sort of business as usual, and like it seemed like the match played out that way as well. Yeah, you know, just from Liverpool's point of view, I think it's, uh, it, 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 yeah, as you said, business as usual, right? But for me, the big worry for me was actually Philippe Anderson versus any of our fullbacks. I think in the first half, he actually attacked uh, TA side a little bit more, and in the second half, he actually swapped over to the other side and, and was going at Robertson a little bit. We, the reason why he's a bit more of the, 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 the unknown for me is that he did has, have his bright moments back in Italy, but you know coming over to England and coming over to this West Ham side, we just don't know how these players are going to integrate into the side. And as mm. you said, you know, last season, they, they were not, uh, you could say, an average side, maybe just a slightly above average side, and they were sort of banking on Lanzini and, and Anatovic to play really well for them. And in fairness, they, they did provide the goals when it mattered, and, and, and that's why... 
I, I think that's sort of like how, how they leverage on, on getting these new signings as well. But when I looked at that side again, and the first thing I thought of was, hey, that midfield is the biggest opportunity for us to capitalize, right? I mean, mm. look at our side, Mane, Alexander Arnold, Bobby, all dropping back like to combine with our three midfielders. And as you said, you know, forming sometimes like that diamonds of midfield. We have plenty of players willing to add numbers in midfield and giving us the chance to overload them in midfield. Whereas when you look at their, their, their side, they don't really have that luxury. I mean, you look at Anatovich, you don't want him to actually be part of the midfield. You want, them, you want him to be up top, ready to pounce on these kind of chances and capitalize on them. Felipe Anderson, you want him out wide so that he can, you know, try try to take advantage of isolations and one-on-ones. Maybe you can have Antonio coming back to midfield and, and helping a little bit, but for the most part, it's pretty much just Noble, Rice, and, and, and Wilshire, and, and even Wilshire, even though he's technically sound, but I guess at times you don't really expect him to, to defend or press that much, you know, I, I guess that's from the, the first impression, but looking at that, you know, just overloading mid, overloading their midfield, that was basically like my, my go-to reaction when I saw that, that, that side, and I think execution-wise, we definitely did that very well, and I think, again, that seamless transition, especially with with Gomez and, and Van Dijk helping out as well and providing that, that those passing options, really, really easy for us to just cut through the midfield. And, and, and we saw that a lot when we saw Keita just driving up with the ball, Mane driving up the ball. And, and we saw how deep Firmino came back to, to actually support the midfield. And I think that's that's brilliant for us, you know, just fully making use of our best strengths as well as taking advantage of, of, of their... Uh, flaws you could say in midfield and I think you know saying that we can get into the game a little bit more the first impression for me was that again midfield we just looked so comfortable you know Gini was that that steadying force that that calming force for us in, in midfield and then we saw Keita being very dynamic as you mentioned that's something that we haven't really seen for a long time you know we are used to Henderson making those passes to to fullbacks or, or you know just uh spraying those passes to to the flanks and then we see some like Emery Chan driving up with the ball and, and sometimes that, that final pass is just not very good. But what do you think of, of Liverpool at least from a first impression? You know, I think the first thing that a lot of people have mentioned is that, you know, it's great to finally have a, a fully functioning uh, midfield and having a great midfielder <laughs> in, in Nabi Keita actually adding so many different uh, skill sets and adding so many different benefits to the side. I think that is something mm. that popped up First, for most people, is that the same for you, or, or do you think maybe seeing Robertson uh, actually bombing up and, and having a lot more space on the left, maybe that was a bit more enticing to you, or or do you think it's uh, more Allison being more comfortable with the ball as well? What what what, do you, what was your first impression of this Liverpool side? I think the the first thing I sort of noticed very quickly was I always try and look at what our shape is like, especially when you, you when you have one Allen playing in sort of really uh, new, but it's not common, and uh, seeing how Milner and Keita play, the sort of spaces they take up, and um, what happens in different sort of moments of the game, in, in possession, out of possession. And it seemed more than anything that we tried to play at times with a 3-4-3 in offensive transition when we were able to escape past West Ham's first defensive line. And it was really... Uh, it seems like everything this season with regards to recruitment, coaching, preseason, system styles and system tests, it seems like it's all focused on trying to get Salo or Mane free in the half space to drive an attack. But then when we were in more controlled possession, we saw, like you said, those overloads, Mane and Firmino, kind of as double tens at times, trying to interlink Keita and Milner so that the fullbacks could then be integrated in the attack. It seemed like that was probably the only way for them to 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 get meaningfully forward. 
Um, and that key, I think, is just going to be, um, you know, all of our build-up passages of play seeming just to focus on getting Mane and Saleh free in the half space. Either that or uh, in a 1v1 situation deep in the final third. And when I looked at the passing maps, it seemed to illustrate that. Uh, it seemed that there was a bias more on the right-hand side for Wijnaldum. Uh, I think Milner and Trent Alexander-Arnold need a lot more support uh, for a combination of reasons. I think technically speaking, they don't have the um, ability to dribble and retain the pos- retain possession under pressure, um, but rather they need to use uh, intelligent movement, quick passing combinations, and then off-ball movement to try and escape past um, West Ham's defence, especially when Rice would sort of move over. And uh, an, an, another part of this, this uh, dynamic is the fact that Salah more often than not is... Um, you know, looking at heat maps is usually the furthest forward player out of most players um, with regards to where he takes touches, where he receives the ball and where he's making his actions. Whereas then on the left-hand side, uh, we see we saw a lot of dominance between Keita and Robertson um, and not really needing Wijnaldum to be able to create uh, for Mane, to create for Firmino. Uh, and I think those were probably the most interesting initial impressions that I saw. Uh, and uh, I think it's it's interesting seeing, you know, as we go further forward and we start to insert Fabinho instead of Wijnaldum and then maybe replace Milner with Wijnaldum, uh, how does that change the bias to how Fabinho plays? Mm. Um, I think in, it, in, in more respects it left a lot of questions to be asked, especially because uh, the way West Ham played was, uh, you know, just... You know, very slow zonal defensive pressure, very kind of medium to deep defensive block. So yeah. it, it didn't it didn't really uh, trouble us, and it didn't really give us a lot of questions positionally. Um, of course, they, when in the moments that West Ham did try to attack, we were able to see a few strengths, weaknesses, things like that come to flu, uh, come to the fore. But those were my initial thoughts, and if anything, it's left with more questions for me uh, to see what happens as different players come in uh, over the next few games, and especially when we play a stronger opposition from a midfield point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, and I think, you know, just harping on your point on, on, on Keita and Robertson on the left, I think that's a good segue into the first goal, right? So it obviously starts off with Trent Alexander-Arnold with that brilliant pass from right from that right-back spot to find Nabi Keita, who has found a little bit of space between their midfield and defensive lines. But I think before we move forward beyond that pass, I think it's more important to note the positioning of both Milner and uh, Firmino during that pass. Milner was playing ahead of Alexander-Arnold, sort of like a, a, a right midfielder in a 4-4-2. You know, as you mentioned, you know, Milner probably providing that bit of support on the right side while Salah plays a little bit more like a centre-forward. I, I think that sort of drew one player towards him. And then Firmino also mm. dropped so far back to the point where he was basically in our half. And with these two players occupying these sort of spaces, it occupied the, the attention of the West Ham uh, midfielders. And Keita was just so smart to just make that four step, four to five steps forward to open up that passing lane to begin with. And Alexander definitely executed with that pass, right? A brilliant pass which cut through, I think, two or three different players. And uh, with that, it opened up Keita to basically the whole of the final third for him. Keita has the ball blindsided the whole uh, West Ham United midfield. Their backline panicked and, and they started following the ball rather than players. I think Mane and Salah both did extremely well as well, you know, to keep their inward runs more diagonal rather than uh, being a bit more more flat, you know, running a bit more 
uh, perpendicular to, to, to where Keita was running. And I think that gave Keita a little bit more room to drive up with the ball. And I think that sort of clogged up their, their back line. And when you see the, just before Keita made that pass to Robertson, right? I mean, the, the, the four defenders, West Ham United defenders, they were so so centralized and, and they weren't even aware of where Robertson was. And if you even, you know, just stop the frame for a while and you look on the right side, Milner was even bombing up and he was going to be free on the right side as well. So Keita had plenty of, of options, made a brilliant touch to actually pass the ball over to, to Robertson and Robertson being so unmarked, put in a great grounded cross to, to Salah and Salah just had to tap it home. And so I think, you know, if, if there was one moment of overloading that I'd like to highlight, this would be the one, you know, just overloading the middle with someone who's brilliant at uh, running with the ball and having two players who are perceived to be the, the, the biggest dangers or the biggest threats to oppositions to drag players into a certain spot and then finding someone who's brilliant at, at putting balls in or, 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 or brilliant in crossing. I think that's sort of like the epitome of what Liverpool can be this season, you know, not just a, a counter-attacking team which we were sort of accustomed to last season, but also a team who is able to to move defenders around and making them do one thing, but in fact, we actually we actually have a plan B for it. And I think that's brilliant for us, you know, not only just focusing on speed, but also focusing on great positioning and, and great off-ball movement to actually find chances and, and trying to create goals from, from, from these kind of situations. But what do you make of that first goal? I mean, it was a, a brilliant pass from Alexander for sure, but I think you cannot discount the, the positioning of Firmino and Milner in, in that situation as well as what Keita brought to the table there as well. What do you think? Yeah, yeah you're 100% right, Leroy. I think this reminded me very much of a Man City-esque type goal. And, mm. you know, when, when Guardiola was in his first few teams, his concept of creating that free third man on the opposite wing um, was a little bit more crude. And, and this style of finding a free third man That's is... That's a brilliant shot, actually. Yeah, it's a lot more sophisticated because this is more about finding players in between lines, yep. free and free, free or not being marked. And essentially, the beauty of the overload that we create on the right hand side with uh, Milner and Firmino is the fact that, well, if you've got Salah occupying their left-sided centre back and you've got Cater free in space, uh, unmarked with no sort of midfielders uh, uh, in front of him, it, it gives the centre backs very difficult questions, and and it and it co- causes a lot of problems for the uh, midfielders tracking backwards. And you're right, I think that um, you know uh, the the pass that Trent Alexander plays, you know, being a midfielder by trade, going through the academy, having that passing vision and the incisiveness to break lines and find Cater uh, is possibly the difference between a player like him and say like Klein. Um, I think a lot of this should be this sort of uh, this sort of movements and set set plays are, are things I feel we should be coaching and in, in training and then trying to replicate on the pitch and and it probably is something that we've coached before these sort of patterns of play and movement um, and but to be able to play that pass and and have the quality and also have the awareness I think is really important for Trent to be so young and find that pass I think is excellent and then KT just creates so much gravity as he drives forward. Uh, I think, and, 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 and it's the subtlety of things, I think, uh, releases it at just the last moment yep. so that Robertson has time to play a high-quality deep cross so, that's a, so that it's an easy tap-in for Salah. Um, because, you know, if Robertson, if it's, if it's too soon, then the defender maybe has that extra step 
And then for Robertson, he's under a little bit more pressure, and so he has to think about getting the, the pass in quicker. Maybe Salah doesn't get to it in time. Maybe Fabianski has more time. And, and it's these small margins that I think, you know, the player, a player of Cater's quality sort of makes those negligible. Um, whereas, you know, say in contrast to, say, Wijnaldum, whenever he was able to break forward into more of a number 10 role in moments uh, and really be found in the attacking third, yep. it, it seemed like that decision-making just in those last moments and, and maybe even in the first moments when he receives the ball uh, is just a little bit too slow. And I think that's that's kind of why it might be good to see Wijnaldum playing the sixth role <laughs> um, or you know, at least being able to expand the roles that he can play so that um, it's not just that relay a number eight where he swings between. Um, but uh, I, I think you're right. You can't, you can't discount the, the off ball things that are happening and hard to appreciate um, just because of the, the brilliance of everything that happened on the ball more than anything. Yeah, because for me, I just can't help but think that fluidity of the ball was actually really, really key in this, you know, from Firmino's positioning all the way to Salah's off-ball runs, to Robertson just keeping his distance a little bit from the fullback but not compromising on his opportunity to attack it. And also the, just that intelligence, as you mentioned, from, from Keita to you know, just try to dribble past one more player but not really dribbling past him, just making that one final pass to really eliminate him out of the equation. You know, how many times do we see players in that those style of positions, right? Actually making those passes to the fullback so much quicker compared to Keita. And I think by doing so, you're forcing the, the fullback to actually beat the man rather than you yourself beating the man. And, it, and I think that was the difference maker between a great cross and a good cross. And I think, you know, again, just brilliant playoff of all of them. And I think, again, overloading the middle and then switching out and relying mm. on different types of individual strengths, I think that is something that we can definitely uh, build a repertoire around, if, if, if you know, for lack of a better term. And I think... When you look at this side compared to last season, you know, this season we have Nabi Keita, whose run is something we see Salah and Mane do at times, just being able to dribble the ball and pulling so many players towards them. You know, Robertson's cross is still uh, really, really good compared to, uh, you know, from last season, bringing over what he has brought from last season. It's a different type of strength that allows him to beat players, and it's not just dribbling or pace, but it's more like the precision of his crosses and the consistency of it. That's a different way of beating players. And then, you know, Bobby's first touch can be amazing at times. And I believe there was one chance in, in the first half as well where he got the ball from Mane when he was isolated on the right side. That first touch allows him to beat his player and actually try to put a cross in with Salah. Tapped in straight to, to Fabian Heath. Mm. I don't know if you remember that, that, that particular moment. But that first touch from Bobby was just brilliant from him. And I think these types of individual strengths will be really key for us if we, if we plan to use these types of, uh, of sequences of play moving forward. I think that will be brilliant for us. But you know, moving from this first goal to the second goal, I think, again, more crossing from Robertson on the left side. Milner breaking away from his marker on the, on the far post. Again, it's pretty similar in, in the sense that we had Salah and Robertson occupying players on one end and then having someone else... Uh, you know, taking full advantage of it on the other end and this time it was Milner getting to it put the ball back into the danger zone and all, all Mane had to do was just to, to tap it in so great hustle from Milner to get to the ball but again just great positioning and taking advantage of teams who can't react to these quick positional switches quick enough so that second goal I mean not much to talk about in terms of tactics but again just highlighting and emphasizing on, on how good the positioning can be for us right? 
Yeah, and I think, look, this highlights even more than uh, usual how poor West Ham were from a defensive point of view. I think, you know, playing a a medium to deep defensive block, the way that they did, say, in contrast to the way that uh, maybe Man United have in the past, um, complete contrast, very slow zonal defensive pressure in the middle third of the pitch, um, and very tight back line looking to essentially just spring the offside trap as much as possible to mitigate the impact of deep runs. And it worked so many times. We did see uh, a lot of players offside uh, in that first half, and also um, <laughs> Mane's second goal uh, was was offside, and unfortunately the referee did not call it. So uh, Pellegrini opting for this plan, maybe uh, I think it worked in, in, in a lot of regards, but then... Uh, you know, it's not just the front three. It's not just, you know, um, Firmino and Salah that you have to be aware of or Salah entirely. You know, you have to keep uh, awareness of the fullbacks and the positions that they take and how quickly we can move move to them to integrate them. Uh, and then, again, once uh, I think they kind of switched off and, and didn't play to the whistle, didn't play to the situation as it developed, feeling like the the that phase of play was over uh, and until uh, Milner got to the ball. And I think that's just uh, really poor defending. And you could sort of see it on Pellegrini's face throughout the match that he was kind of lamenting all these uh, little things. It seems like, yeah, they tried to do a few things and and from a tactical point of view to nullify us, um, but clearly uh, wasn't executing uh, as well as he wanted to. And, 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 And this was the important thing, I think, with Milner and Robertson highlighting the importance of uh, deeper, um, more near-post crossing focused, uh, that's a lot more dangerous than sort of the early far-post crossing from Trent Alexander-Arnold. And yeah. um, I think that was the, quite ineffective. And it's it's both positioning, but it's also decision-making as well. Uh, and uh, you've got to manipulate the the defense by what they give you and, and understand the way that they're playing and then utilize other options. So it's nice to see that those options from last season are um, still there and possibly can get better this season as we just basically double down on our philosophy and our style of play and see uh, just how much better we can get with the players we brought in. Yeah, and again, I think this goes back to just seeing moving forward how much impact Keita can have in terms of overloading certain areas on the pitch or or drawing players to him and, and just... I guess testing our fullbacks in terms of how consistent they can be in, in, in their crossing and I think if we can make that again part of our repertoire or, or part of our arsenal I think that would be great for us and we do have the players for that so it would it, be great to see how it, how it develops move, moving forward but you know, going into our third goal I, you know, there's not much to be said or not much to be analysed from an offside goal but what I would like to highlight is again how mobile Firmino was throughout this game I think for the first goal again he was playing deeper or positioned deeper compared to Milner and Keita you know for the Salah chance he was positioned on the right instead of down the middle where we are accustomed uh, you know more accustomed to I think that switch between him and Salah actually occurred a couple of times throughout the game where he was playing more like a an inside right midfielder and, and Salah was playing up top rather than the other way around and I think Seeing Firmino adapting to different type of positions, I think that'd be great, especially when you look at it. We have Shakiri coming in as well, and sometimes we may not even play Salah, we may not even play Mane. So to, to see how versatile Firmino can be and how effective he can still be, 
it's great to see moving forward, right? And, and you know, to see Firmino dribbling from the right and then finally playing that pass to Mane, who was our bad offside. That was a bit different compared to last season where we see Firmino occupying the middle a little bit more and dropping more vertically rather than diagonally or, or over to the right or left. But, you know, I'm sure there are no qualms over the offside since it was a pretty clear offside. But also, I'm sure there's no qualms over the goal being given to us, right? So... Uh, I guess overall we take what we are given. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- I mean, look, there's no really, uh, and this is a completely different debate. There's no morality in sports, especially something like football. Yeah. Um, you know, if it, whether it's that ghost goal or whether it's diving, whatever, right? And and I guess uh, you're gonna take it based off what the referee will give you, and uh, you know, always debate about bringing back VAR and. Um, and improving that so that we can actually have it take effect. But, um, yeah, poor refereeing. But I agree. I think what impressed me in this sort of phase of play was just the, the way that Gomez and, and um, Wijnaldum and Keita were just sort of just able to move, right? And it's mm. and it's and and I feel like the West Ham players were not reading what was, pl- what was developing here. Um, they weren't reading the movements and instead just sort of... Uh, it feels kind of like uh, Pellegrini wants to set up a particular style of play in the team and was sort of treating this half as um, developing the the fitness in the players, developing their own style of play, a few key things that they wanted to try, especially with Philippe Anderson, Wilshere, the way that they were able to link up. Um, and then from a defensive point of view, they kind of kept it very sort of simplistic at times. But even then, they couldn't execute. And I think that's a testament to how good of a team we are, how well drilled we are and mechanic we are in our movements. Uh, and then you're right. It's it's nice to see Firmino being able to pick up pockets of space that um, you know maybe he doesn't always um, uh, pick up. And it's usually uh, you know the space between him and the midfield is usually a lot closer rather than there being so much space um, vacate vacated and, and really relying on other people to just find the pass. And so it was nice for him to be in this sort of situation and see what he could do. And again, dribbling, I think his dribbling technique was actually quite excellent in this. He was able to sort of yep. still retain the ball under pressure and then get that pass off. And of course it was offside. And I think that was also part of, as we, as I was saying before, part of um, that offside trap plan that it seemed like West Ham were trying to play with their tight back line yep. and to try and stop those deep runs having from any any impact. Salah was offside, Mano was offside by you know at least half a meter to a meter. Uh, and but you know Firmino does I think all the right things. Um, it'll be interesting to see when we play against a better opposition or in a similar situation um, what it's going to be like for us when um, you know we're constantly being caught offside or these runs aren't being effective. And let's also say that um, our fullbacks are not getting in good positions or being marked quite tightly And when they do get into good positions. It'll be interesting to see how we create. And that's the sort of game I want to see, um, you know, Cater really come to life in. But, yeah, I think there's not really much else to say about this sort of goal. Uh, but we'll take it. <laughs> yeah, for sure, right? And I think likewise with the final goal, I, I think just to round things off so that we get a bit more of a complete view, uh, a good corner from Mjolnir. I wouldn't say it was particularly great, but you know it's just good that we have Starich who is, you know, again quick to the ball and and just knows mm. how to position himself. And you, at the very least, you know, at least putting good contact to the ball to actually put it behind the net. And I think apart from that particular goal, there was another moment where he stopped the ball really well, went went on the turn, and just scuffed his shot a little bit with his left foot. But overall, I think it's good to see that we have that 
slight bit of sharpness compared to last season for Sturridge. You know, I, I don't think he will be a, a massive, massive player for us compared to what Salah or Mane has been for us, you know, especially last season. But good to see him getting a little bit more sharp compared to last season. And again, it's just a, a, a t- based, off, based off of 10 minutes and just a little a couple of pre-season games. But got to be hopeful, right? And, and I think Sturridge mm-hmm. and Shakiri off the bench, if we continue playing a 4-3-3, that would be great for us. And imagine this side if we had uh, someone like Oxley Chamberlain as well. That would be three players off the bench that we could bring on who are more effective compared to, say, Solanke from last season or Origi from the previous seasons where they were a little bit lackluster, to be fair. And, and to be really honest, if you look at, again, someone like Danny Ings or Lalana last season, again, not the most effective uh, options off the bench. So, technically speaking, we still don't know how much they'll contribute yet, but great to know that we actually have these types of players who are who are ready to come off the bench for us you know again sad to see that Oxlade Chamberlain won't be playing for us this season but at least we have Shakiri who we know is you know still match fit from from last season and we have Daniel Sturridge who's showing a little bit more signs a bit more promise compared to last season so that's great for us as well but I think apart from the goals apart from the great win any key takeaways from the game from from your end good or bad you know we do have to take the good with the bad right so any key takeaways from your end yeah i think you know when i look at from this performance as dominant as it was what are maybe some weak elements or or things to keep aware of is um i think almost mostly exclusively defensive flaws i think apart from the early far post crossing from Trent alexander arnold uh, which you know was quite ineffective um, I think there's some decision-making issues that need to be resolved there. Um, I felt that with Wijnaldum playing as the number six, something we've seen a lot of when Hendo plays as the six is this counter-press initiation by the number six. Um, yep. And they lead the sort of the, the counter-press. And as a result, it sort of allows the attackers to sort of um, collapse a little bit. And then if the counter-press, if that initial press doesn't bring any great success as the opposition plays that first pass into the next uh, offensive line, we can then collapse from two sides. And I thought that that was one of our strengths. So although the initial counter-press initiation from the number six wasn't quite efficient, and I think that's probably more of a role unfamiliarity issue, um, we were quite excellent at collapsing from two sides of our defense whenever that counter-press failed or that high-press failed. Um, another issue was those long balls over center backs. Uh, I think a lot of us still lamenting Gomez and, and tracking the flight of the ball and the awareness of long balls sort of over his shoulder. Um, uh, I think that's, it's hard to say it could be a personnel issue because Van Dyke also had um, a couple of um, uh, moments where, <laughs> you know, this is typical Liverpool defensive issues, the fact that we didn't, concede a lot of chances for opposition but when we did they were often um as a result of mistakes or um poor decision making key moments and they led to high quality chances so um whether that sort of long ball over center backs issue is going to is more personal than anything um at least if it is we know uh, how to how to fix that um the other thing that i noticed was um there was this moment where um or a couple of moments where our full back on the right and the wide center midfield off and milner sometimes Wijnaldum, seemed to double up on the narrow run that the uh, West Ham attacking midfielder would make. And I think that was a really clever sort of tactic that they wanted to use with Felipe Anderson and Wilshere, um, sort of a combination of, uh, I think, an, an issue that was induced by the opposition 
from their tactics, but also maybe a, a coaching flaw. I think we should have picked up on this uh, from our scouting, uh, opposition scouting, that this is going to be something that West Ham were wanting to do. And I went back and looked at a couple of the clips from their friendlies, and this was something they tried. Um, so that was something we needed to, I think, have a better lock on because, you know, when it came to then uh, trying to then block out that cross late and then conceding a corner, uh, one thing I noticed that, continues to be an issue and I, I feel this has been this is something that not a lot of um, people have been aware of or talking about but Robertson doesn't seem to be very impressive as a first post defender on corners um, mm. to have someone like Felipe Henderson beating him on the, the that sort of first reaction to the corner yeah. um, we were fortunate that having a keeper like Allison brings a lot of composure but it's gonna be look I, I think when a new goalkeeper comes in and Gomez playing as a center back there are a lot of new personnel involved and a lot of different styles and the way different people react to things differently. And so there's that's that's something to consider as much as how much they're going to practice set pieces in training. So that's another thing to be aware of. Um, but, uh, you know, apart from that, I think uh, that's really all I could sort of mention. Uh, maybe that on that storage goal, I think it was nice to have a stronger bench to really call upon. I felt that if we added, say, Fakir or an alternative to Fakir, mm. as well as a right-sided centre-back, as we'd been targeting, you know, there were a lot of links to, um, uh, I can't remember his name at the moment, the Swiss player who went to end up going to Dortmund, um, and uh, Yerimina as well. It seemed like we're profiling this sort of young centre-back, protege, very front-foot, aggressive defender that's also physically very gifted um, and has a lot of potential in terms of um, the off-ball fundamentals of defending, intercepting, things like that. Uh, it seems like there's still room there to improve the squad. If we added those two players, I felt that we would have been a serious challenger to Man City or whoever else was going for the title. Mm -hmm. But I think at this point, with where the squad is at uh, and the uncertainty about how a lot of different players will be able to contribute, like Solanke and Origi. Uh, I've often liked Origi left side of a three, especially when Sturridge is playing and when Keita links into that. I think we can be quite effective there if needed in cup games. Um, but uh, I think we're more looking to try and narrow the gap between us and whoever finishes first unless, you know, something happens and it is us who finishes first. Uh, but, you know, a lot of interesting things that we saw in this game something's very familiar something's a little bit new um, and then also questions about personnel and even about West Ham and seeing how they'll end up doing um, I thought this was a really great game to watch and um, it'll be interesting to see how some of these narratives and tactical narratives play out in the next few games yeah you know all great points and I think from my end just to be very quick with my personal key takeaways I think because we score four goals, I'll just give four points and I'll put them more in questions more than outright statements, if that makes sense. So my first question in terms of a key takeaway would be how good will Ellison be when we have that inevitable defensive mess up, right? You know, even in this game, we saw that, you know, Anatovic actually got behind and got into a one-on-one. -on -one. He scuffed the shot, you know, didn't really get it on target. But when we do get a proper one-on-one -on -one like that again, how does Ellison actually you know, stand up to the task and, and how well mm. can he perform? Because the second that uh, you know, we, we face opponents who are able to take advantage of our mishaps, we need the goalkeeper to actually you know, be that last man for us, like that literal last man standing for us to, to actually block off those kind of shots. I want to see how good Ellison can be in those kind of moments. And 
based on last season with Roma, based on how how he has performed, I think a lot of people have that same expectation as well. So that'll be a the 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 first takeaway for me is is just how good Alisson can be. The next one would be on again speaking about Fabinho. You know, here we see Milner, Wijnaldum, and and Keita performing really well against this particular opposition. I like to see what types of opposition we have to face before we see Fabinho getting into the side and in what ways is he being used by Klopp? You know, is he being used more like a a defensive anchor for us? Is he more like a a dribbler from the back whenever we play teams who are a bit more aggressive in terms of their high press? Or do we see him more like a box-to-box type of player who drives up the pitch a little bit more? I I, I don't know. I I like to see how how he fits into the midfield and, and who sacrifices their spot for him to be there. The third one would be on Salah, you know, it's more of like how how much momentum can he carry forward from last season because for his first goal, it was a, a simple tap-in, you know, great positioning, great off-ball run as we talked about earlier, but I like to see how much momentum he can carry forward from last season in terms of those individual goals, those brilliant curlers from the right, those brilliant one-on-ones, how he dribbled past one or two players before going one-on-one with the keeper. Those are all questions which you know will remain to be uh to be answered up until he actually scores them. You know we 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 are just basically hoping that that the second the second season scene mm. doesn't hit him right. So <laughs> I think that's the the third question. And lastly, how good can Navi Keita be for us? How much more versatile can he be for us? His first game uh. for us already transforming the midfield. And I mean, honestly, at the very least, he has already replaced Emery Chan. If not, he has already improved on Emery Chan, right? You know, as touched on a little bit earlier, Emery mm. Chan can dribble up really powerful, you know, with those powerful strikes with the ball, but his final ball sometimes gets very clunky. He looks a bit, not, not to say clumsy, but you're just, uns- I don't think he's even certain of what he's going to do next. But with Keita, you still get that power, that drive, but you but you still feel that he knows what he's doing on the ball, that bit of calmness and composure, especially like again, that first goal where he made that pass to Robertson, just great awareness of where players are and what he needs to do to get the ball to where he needs to go. I, I think you know, also in the second half, looking at him playing on the left wing for a while, at times I thought, could he play there full time, sort of like a Coutinho? Who knows, right? Maybe we, we stack yeah. up the midfield with Fabinho, Wijnaldum and, and Milner or Henderson. And maybe we play Keita on the left so that we can have him drop back and add to that, uh, the 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 midfield superiority. Maybe that could be a, an option moving forward. Maybe if we want to rest Salah and 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 maybe Mane or or Firmino, and, and we may not always have those four uh, that that three front three plus Shakiri available. Could we actually play Keita there full time? You know, these kind of questions are what comes to mind when I when, uh, when when full time came. And I think you know moving forward. Great signs for Liverpool, but as you mentioned a few times as well, we are playing against a very poor West Ham team, especially yesterday, who didn't get their tactics too right and execution-wise, of course, faulted for sure. But with that said, any final words before we head off the podcast starts? It's been a long talk for sure, but any final words? <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. The big one is Kate, I think. Um, you know, just blanketly, Kate is a much better player than Emre Chan. I think Emre Chan's going to be, seems like the, the kind of player where the progression is going to be over the next few years, seeing how he develops um, and, and being in the right system and team to complement him. But Kate, I sort of put in this, uh, I think we've all put in this sort of, um, these types of, I can't find a better way to describe them, these two-way, uber-dynamic number eights who kind of do everything that it seemed like maybe Vidal, maybe Pogba, 
sort of set the trend for where they're elite at yep. almost every element of midfield play mm-hmm. um that uh they can be so influential and dynamic within a game within lots of different systems um but it's about trying to unlock the maximal potential of that um we've seen uh i think even players like Tolisso at Bayern Munich and then uh say Emre Can at Liverpool uh, and then um, another another one might be, say, someone like Mario Pasalic, who's at Chelsea, is perennially being loaned out constantly. They don't want to sell him, though, because, you know, like uh, um, Milinkovic-Savic is another kind of one of yep. these types of players. There's, mm-hmm. there's just a they're rare commodities that everyone kind of seems to want. Uh, I think that's why Bayern Munich wanted Cater so badly as well, but Liverpool made an excellent deal. It, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how some of them work out, some of them don't work out, uh, and which ones do, which ones don't, and the reasons for why they do and why they don't. Uh, and I think Pug was an, a nice case study of that as well. Uh, to, you're right. I want to see how good Cater can be. I, I feel if we're going to you know, really challenge for uh, the premiership and if we were t- to even win it, I think Cater will have to be like – above and beyond one of our best players if not the best player in the league for that to happen um but i honestly think he he can do that uh whether that's now or a little bit later or if he needs a, if we need to add a few more key additions to the squad and that will then allow him to take that next step um i guess it's only yet to be seen yeah no uh, again going back to Bayern Munich i mean when you look at their side they lost out on on Emre Can to to Leverkusen and then eventually to us they, yeah. they they invested in in Pierre Emil Hoiberg, uh, but obviously that didn't work out. You know they they've actually gone for for Vidal and Vidal has already left them as well. So it, yeah, it's no surprise that they went for or, or should I say they wanted Nabikita so badly, right? So it's great to yeah. see Nabikita reverse. And again, uh, just to be uh, I I think I made this point in a previous podcast as well sometime last la- during the last season, but. We have to remember that Keita is coming in not only to replace Emery Chan, but in certain aspects to replace Coutinho as well, right? I mean, yeah, yeah we know Mane is on the left to, to fill up that spot, that position. But role-wise, I wouldn't count Mane as sort of like that Coutinho type of creator, whereas Keita could actually fill in that gap. But at the same time, he's also filling in the that dribbler kind of gap that, that Emery left whenever he, he went for, for Juventus. So massive expectations on on Keita's shoulders but yeah. you know let's see how well he does and I think I think he's gonna do well I think that's just my gut feeling right but with that said we've come to the end of the podcast tops again it's been great talking to you we always have Definitely. these super long conversations back and <laughs> forth like we don't talk sentence after sentence going back and forth but we somehow find ways to, to you know take a big chunk of 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 statements and and try to reply here and then i think that's great as well mm. you know not everything has to be a constant back and forth but it's been great having you on so any any uh, special shout outs or anything that you'd like to plug before we head off uh no nothing in particular to, to plug um things that i've really been enjoying on ai at the moment have been uh yan morby's podcast on ai pro is such a fascinating person to listen to he's so intelligent as well um and to combine the insights from his playing days and managing days and um that's one of my favorite podcasting he has such great chemistry with uh, with trev and i and i think if you uh i, I recommend everyone to, to jump on it and get listening to it um and i'm also uh, wanting to see what the rest of the crew who are going to be on AI talking tactics throughout the season, how they sort of break down games as well. 
especially Hamza, it'll be nice to see him more frequently on this podcast too. So I think there's a lot to digest and um, uh, it'll be good to see what, um, again, fans and listeners uh, think about this game and, and things as they develop. So do tweet us and, and get in touch as well. Yeah, and as we were talking before the podcast started, right? I mean, with this you know, massive change to the site, with so many new players coming in, with so many new skill sets that we've not seen for so many years now, and, and some even having uh, elite levels of those kind of skills, like for example, Allison with his ball playing, with with Keita being such a dynamic midfielder since, you know, you could say even Steven Gerrard in like 2011-2012 or, or around that sort of period, it's a great time to start analysing and, and having a new refreshed look at this Liverpool side to, to see how things are being played out. For the last few seasons, things have been, not to say stale, but we can sort of uh, predict how things are going to go. But I think this time around, there's so much uncertainties and, and unknowns with this Liverpool side, but... I, I'm, I'm guessing to people like us, Tops, you know, this is brilliant for us, you know, so many new things to, to look at and analyze yeah. and, and try to theorize and it's great for, for tactics and if you like tactics, then this is definitely the place to be. So thank you so much for listening to the Entry Index Talking Tactics Podcast. I've been your host, Leroy Ma, and we'll see you next time. Network.